0: Welcome to another episode of the Stranded Podcast. And I am all in my feels today, y'all, because it is Tuesday. We drop an episode every Tuesday, but today is no ordinary Tuesday. Today, this Tuesday, is my son Cameron's first birthday. I get the chills just saying that. (laughs) And any moms listening, I know you know how I feel getting through that first year I mean I, I've I've heard it gets better and I've heard it gets worse I don't know who to believe but getting through that first year is monumental but for those just jo- joining us or jumping in on the last couple episodes or uh, new to the tribe I had a very unique situation with Cameron um, who was born three months early and spent a very very long time in the NICU and I want to just put this out there quickly I don't want to victimize myself. I don't want anyone on here thinking that I've, I'm have i claiming to have gone through the worst situation. I know women that have gone through much tougher things, who have lost children, who have dealt with things that are unexplainable and unimaginable, and I could never compare my situation to, and I'm I'm hoping not to. I just want to be honest and open about what I went through, how thankful and blessed I feel for how this all went down and to finally hit this year milestone, knowing that, um, we came out of this healthy and blessed. And that if there are any women who know women that are going through this situation, um, I know two things is that you are not serving your purpose in life. If you don't leave people on this earth feeling a certain way. And I want women to feel like they can confide in me if they're going through something like this and two I know personally that if I'm ever going through unfortunate circumstances it's probably with good reason and not to say that it's happening on purpose but I would not be serving my purpose if I then didn't reach back and help or prevent other people from dealing with it in the way that I did Um, which is typically through trial and error so because I was not prepared for what happened to me so again mommies, shout out to mommies. we are super women But anyone dealing with this or know someone that's dealing with this, please, please don't hesitate for a second to reach out. I am here. And so that is why I am dedicating this episode to completely opening the floor and telling you guys what happened to me with my son last year, because on this day I have to celebrate and I'm going to celebrate through honesty and vulnerability And again, I'm not playing victim, but um, I've had a lot of people ask me what happened. And now that we're on the brighter side of things, I'm more than welcome to share. So I'm going to jump right in. I found out I was pregnant February 2017. And just like any normal pregnancy, I think I was about seven weeks when I found out. We went through the normal process, um, unexpected, but very excited. I knew I wanted children. I just didn't know when. Mm I was one of those women that was obsessed with, you know, um, getting as many degrees as I could for first and making enough money and being uh, able to financially support myself and my family before I did that. And, you know, God sometimes just gives you gifts before you're ready. And I also think that um, you're never ready. My analogy for people has always been you're never ready to have a baby. You'll just come up with another excuse as to why you're not ready. I need to I need to make more money. I need to get another degree. We need to get a bigger house. We need to get a bigger car. I have a two-door car. I can't fit a baby in there. You know, it's people are never ready for babies. You just get ready, which is kind of how life is. You have to just get ready for unforeseen circumstances. So needless to say, we were excited, went through the normal... Um, normal process. Started going to the doctor's visits, you know, planning a baby shower, got super excited, told all of our family and friends and completely normal. And we got into about 20. Well, I I was very sick throughout my pregnancy, but I've been told that's very normal. Um, Found out it was a boy at 16 weeks, got even more excited because both Chris and I wanted a boy. And then around 20 weeks, uh, I had a doctor's visit where they told me that my blood pressure was extremely high and told me about the concerns for things like having a stroke in preg- while you're uh, having a stroke while you're birthing your ch- birthing your child or um, severe preeclampsia. And so at this point, and I have to be completely honest, I was not doing any research. And shame on me for not, but I have a lot of friends that did a lot of research and their pregnancies turned out completely different than what they expected. So I don't necessarily regret it, but I know moms that buy tons of books. Um, Bless all the women that gave me tons of books. And I was just so afraid to overwhelm myself with information. I get into overload and procrastinate, you know, into that like analysis, paralysis, whatever they call it. Like it's too much information and I don't know where to go. I did not want to overwhelm myself. And most importantly, I knew myself well enough to know i didn't want to freak myself out i was like are you really going to give birth to a child what if they have to cut you wide open what if i was freaking a little bit so i didn't want to read anything because i did not want to freak myself out i was like women do this every day it's a normal thing it'll be fine and so at 20 weeks um they told me that pre uh preeclampsia could possibly be a thing that blood high blood pressure wasn't this normal and at 20 weeks, they basically asked me to stop traveling for work because I travel avidly for my job. Um, so my doctor basically said, no more planes, trains, automobiles. You can work, but that's about it. I don't want you moving and shaking and going all over the place. And I said, okay. They gave me a what they call a protein test, which is a three-day test to see how your body is... how do you say this, um, processing your protein or whether it's dumping it. And my protein was not that high, which was pretty good because if it's high. That means your body is dumping it. And so it was pretty good. And so they just kind of kept me, left me at that. They said, no, um, no super crazy extracurricular activity. And I actually had another doctor come to me and say, I think you're fine. I think you just have naturally high, blood pressure. I think you're, it's like hypertension and this is normal for you. And I said, okay. So we left it at that. Um, and I got to back, I got to backtrack a little bit. And this is how interesting life is. When I got pregnant, um, I remember instantly running to people that had had babies before, cause I just needed to know what, what the hell I was doing. I needed clarity. I needed reassurance that this was going to be okay. And I talked to a girl at work about insurance and how I, what I needed to add and switch. And this was just such a foreign topic to me. And I remembered her saying, well, here's the hospital that's nearest to you. But there's another hospital that's a little further away, but they have a fantastic NICU. And I was like, well, why does that matter? And she said, just in case. And I remember the look on her face. It was like a just in case anything were to happen, not that it will, but in case anything were to happen, God forbid, they have to fly your baby across town to a a, a, a fantastic NICU. You just don't want that. You'd rather be there. And I remember instantly thinking, well, that will never happen because it doesn't happen. And isn't that kind of how we handle everything? Either we live in fear or we don't think about the, the options or the consequences or things that can happen or the risks in our situations is sometimes we don't think enough about the risks Um, and I totally understand not worrying and living in fear I that's where I was but thank God I went with that hospital thank God I listened to that girl I just naturally listened to her I actually just went and checked them out to see how they were and I fell in love with the people that gave me the tour and the doctor and I said okay I'm gonna have my baby here that happened to have the NICU but it was like being on a plane when you're on a plane and they give you the safety instructions you're like Okay, cool, not listening because it won't happen to me. That was my attitude. Thank God I chose that hospital because I had no idea what I was in store for. And so fast forward to those 20 weeks, I get told not to travel. Um, I don't know that I'm to blame or not, but I did take one more trip in a car. I didn't fly. I took a car up to South Carolina and back for a couple days for a trip. But I did move. We moved. We moved. Uh, I tried not to lift as much as I needed to. I probably did overexert myself, but we moved. And 26 weeks, I was at work and needed to go to my daily, My uh, at that point I was going to biweekly checkups. And so I had a checkup and an ultrasound, and I went in for the ultrasound, and Chris met me there, and we did the ultrasound, and it was longer than normal. And Chris left afterwards because that's what I mean. Maybe men there is other men out there that are much better about this, but I don't blame him because um, then you go into the room after the ultrasound and they want to talk about um, what's going on everywhere. What are you eating? What's going on at night? What all of the above? And so he typically would come to the ultrasound and then leave, and so. Ultrasound was over. He left. They sent me in the doctor's office. This was completely normal procedure. Except they took like 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to go back to work. It's like 1030 in the morning at this point. What's going on? And um, two doctors walked in and shut the door like two security guards. And looked at me completely distraught. And I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. And I'm like, what's going on? And they said we're going to admit you to the hospital or to the ER right now. And I was like, why? And I'm instantly going, did I say something crazy? Did they overhear me say something? They said, your son is supposed to be 27 weeks. He's the size of a 23 week baby, which tells us he has not grown in four weeks and your blood pressure is so high that we have to admit you even if you weren't pregnant and your blood pressure was this high we wouldn't let you leave and it was so weird because I felt fine I really did looking back on photos I took a photo that day um, that morning actually for my job and I was very swollen so at this point I'm only six six and a half months pregnant and I was extremely swollen but I felt normal and so They send me down to the ER, I call Chris, he comes back and they say, we're just going to take some tests and decide whether or not we're going to admit you. And within an hour, they decided to admit me. They admitted me on a Tuesday and said, here's your options. You, they kind of went over the situation again. Um, He's not fully grown. He would not survive at this point if he were to come out but your health does not look well either and so the point is is that if we can save you over him we will and I struggled with that but there were people um, there that were able to help me make sense of that which um, I know that's just hard to swallow and hard to hear but I guess the way they were able to make sense of it to me was if your baby's not fully developed and us, you know, us, us to risk bringing him early just to keep you healthy or we'll risk bringing him early to keep you healthy versus keeping him in there, still not knowing if he'll make it and risking your life completely. And so (laughs) they ran my other options by me. So already by Tuesday night, I was completely mentally numb. I had either decided in my head that I might be giving birth to um, a uh, a unhealthy child, possibly disabled um, for the rest of his life, or a um, not breathing child. And so to me, in my mind, those were my options, and I was completely numb um, and quiet and just I couldn't think it through and so I um at they brought me a neonatal NICU specialist the next day and he said here's your options you're either going to we're gonna run two more tests and you're either gonna end up staying here for six more weeks with the goal of us getting you to monitoring you every day you won't be able to get out of bed you'll live here for six weeks the goal will be to get you to 34 weeks And if we can get you to 34 weeks, we can probably guarantee a much healthier baby. Or we'll send you home and you will come in twice a week or every two days, but you cannot go back to work. You will be on bed rest at home. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, oh my God, if I have to live in this place, this is insane. Like I'm here for two nights and I'm ready to lose my mind. Neither of which ended up happening. (laughs) So... I take a another protein test and they come in and say my protein is sky high. It's, um, I don't know if there's any medical people listening, but it was well over a nine fifty, and he was like, you will be living here for six weeks because I have no, I don't feel comfortable sending you home. I have no idea. Your blood pressure is all over the place. I just can't, I can't do it. You have to live here. So that was on a Wednesday evening. Um, so at this point, or I think it was Thursday evening. So at this point, my family has decided um, they're going to be moving me in. So, you know, my boyfriend starts making up his bed. My family decides they're going to come down that weekend. And um, thank God they did. (laughs) Thank God they did. Because um, my mentor wanted to come down. Jamie wanted to come down and give Chris a break. And my mom was going to shortly follow behind her. And that Saturday... I laid in my hospital bed with my mentor, and we redid my entire um, baby registry because we just thought about all the size clothing we had put on there and the diapers, and we knew that if this went successfully, my son was going to be extremely small, and I had planned two baby showers, and one was in St. Augustine, which is where I'm from, and one was in Tampa, and the one in St. Augustine was the weekend the week before I, the week I was hospitalized. So we sent out an email to everybody to let them know it would be canceled because I could not leave the hospital. And we started planning to do the baby shower in the hospital while I was going to be there for six weeks. Cause why not? And so we, I, Jamie, God bless her heart. She was just trying to make the best of my situation. Cause I was been in the hospital bed for six days. And that night I, um, woke up at four in the morning to people talking very loudly alarms going off people waking me up and they were checking my blood pressure every four hours and mostly I mean during my when I was sleeping they were just pulling my arm up checking it and then walking off and I was normally I wasn't even waking up and so I woke up to everyone um, waking me up and letting me know that they were gonna be taking me down to labor and delivery because my blood pressure was so bad they were afraid that I was gonna have a stroke at that point um, at any moment so or be in seizing because they said it was ridiculously high so they rushed me down the labor and delivery Um, Chris was not even there he had taken the night off to go home and shower and just lay in his bed and take a break and so in our bed um, and so We called Chris to let him know. (laughs) and He was like, no, you're not having that baby right now. And I was like, we don't, they don't, they're not giving us a choice, Chris. You have to come now. And so he came and I just can't explain the fear of not knowing because everyone's telling me what I have to do. This baby has to come out. He's making you unhealthy and not knowing if to keep me healthy could kill this baby and that was what I could not swallow the entire time is and you know it's like the phases of grief like I remember being pushed down there and I was like why me like it was like this victim role I'm like why me why why my son why my first son why would you do this to me you know why him why his poor soul he doesn't even get a choice you know um and then being mad being angry like being angry with myself wondering if I cause this because you know, should I have, did I overexert myself during the move? Is this my fault? Should I have not have traveled that one extra time? You know, did I eat anything that put me in a, in a poor place? Did I, did I drink anything when I first found out I was pregnant that caused these issues? Um, I mean, even up until this point, they weren't even telling me what caused the preeclampsia. So I'm like, what, what on planet earth and why, why, why at 27 weeks, am I about to push out a baby that you're telling me is probably not even going to be able to breathe? So, Oh, and I missed a part. So while I was there between the Tuesday and the Saturday, the neonatal specialist did come to me and said, if by any chance, which was so interesting that I thank God I opted in for it. He said, if by any chance this baby has to come out any day now, I want to start you on a series of shots that and I might explain this wrong. So for any of my medical professionals, I apologize. But it was a shot that basically was going to um, enhance the growth of my son's lungs. Because he said that was going to be his biggest concern as if my son came out. The survival rate was going to change if he could breathe. Or if his lungs were strong enough to where they weren't going to collapse. And so... He said, I want you to start these series of shots. The longer you have the shots, the better. And so I think they gave me the shot on a Tuesday, that Tuesday and that Wednesday. And so I had already had the shots. So, but now I'm being pushed down a labor and labor and delivery um, Saturday at 4am or that's actually Sunday, Sunday, and no one will tell me anything about, will this baby make it? So I get done to labor and delivery. I have a fantastic nurse. My entire family is in the room. And the doctor tells me, I'm going to give you 24 hours. We're giving you magnesium. We're giving you these pills, um, all of these other things. And you've got 24 hours to push this baby out. If you don't, we're cutting him out. And you're on, of course, you're on constant surveillance. So if your blood pressure skyrockets at any point, we'll, we will be getting him out. But at this point, he has a heart rate and he seems okay. And nobody could even tell me how much he weighed. I don't know that they couldn't, or they were just choosing not to, but I didn't even know what was in there. I was only six and a half months pregnant. So we go through the 24 hours. I'm half asleep. Anybody that's ever been pregnant, I don't know if your situation was like this, but I'm, I'm completely half asleep the entire time because I'm so drugged up. I can't even, at one point I thought I was going to throw up and I'm sleeping in and out of sleep, passing out, can't even talk. And I remember the 23rd hour, which was Monday morning at like 7 a.m. No, it was 9 a.m. It was 9 a.m. So Monday morning at 9 a.m., the doctor comes in and says, I'm headed to go do a cesarean. You got an hour. If I come back and that baby's not out. I'm cutting him out because this has gone on way too long and you're scaring me and this isn't healthy. And I said, okay. He walked out. I was mentally preparing myself for a C-section. And at that time I just was preparing for the worst. I was hoping for the best. I thought I had faith. I had hope, but I was like, don't you dare get your hopes up because you have no idea what's about to happen. And within minutes. (laughs) I don't want to get too detailed into a pregnancy story, but it felt like my back was breaking and I kept pressing the, um, the, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank, the, um, epidural and I keep pressing it. And my, (laughs) my mentor finally goes, okay, you cannot press that anymore. They said like every 15 minutes max. And I was like, but I don't feel anything. It feels like my back is breaking. And she was like, oh, that's not good. (laughs) So also throughout this whole 24 hours, I was having no contractions, none. So they were like, there's no way this baby's going to come out. But apparently I was having what's considered rare and I was having back contractions. So my back is on fire and she calls the nurse, thank God. And she's like, why does she say her back feels like it's breaking? And so the nurse comes in, checks and she's like, oh my God, Baby's coming out. So doctor comes running in. I kid you not. The people in that came running in. He, As this man was throwing on his shoes. He says things are about to get real crazy. Really fast. The whole NICU team is going to come in here. I need you to take a deep breath. And I said okay. And I'm not kidding when I say it was like. Chick-fil-a set up. In my hospital room. I mean like. There were like 11 People that ran in with boxes and everything, um, the incubator, all of the above, in setting up, plugging stuff in in a two minute span. I cannot thank these doctors and nurses enough. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They were ready in two minutes. Doctor ran in, suited up, washed his hands, was ready to go. Um, and right before everything happened I looked at him and I said is my son even gonna survive and he said I cannot tell you that until we he comes out and whether he's breathing or not no he said I cannot tell you that he said you'll know more when he comes out whether he's crying or not and I was like oh my god and so I pushed and at ten ten, my son was born on Monday, August 21st, and he came out two pounds. He was two flat pounds. Um, He looked like a frog when he came out. They pulled him out, and his legs and arms just unfolded, but his body was really, really skinny, and um, he cried. He cried, and everybody in the entire, I'm crying right now. (laughs) <laughs> Everybody in the entire um room clapped. And so I knew that was good. And he said he lifted it up and said, "Do you see him?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Okay, great. He's out." And he handed him to the NICU um doctors and they put him in the incubator, wrapped him up, and took him away. Um now his cry was not a cry. It sounded like a cat. It was really like a meow meow type, <laughs> but apparently that was um the best welcome sign we could get was that he had the ability to do that so they took him away and that was that and um they kicked everyone out of my hospital room including my family my boyfriend all of the above because um even an hour after my blood pressure would not go down and so I don't know any of my moms out there, but typically you're starving afterwards. I was like, please just give me some soup or some crackers or something. And they would not, they kicked everybody out, cut off the lights and made me go to sleep because of my blood pressure, even my nurse was crying. She was crying and she was like, I don't know what else to do. I've given you meds. I'm trying to keep you calm. Like this just, we cannot get this, get this thing down. You're scaring me. You're freaking me out. And I felt fine. It was the weirdest thing ever I felt completely fine Um, and she was crying so I knew something was wrong but I wasn't willing to live in it so um, about six hours I had to sit in there with her in the dark until it finally went down a little bit they took me up to my room uh, told me I was not gonna be able to leave my bed for two days and so they were nice enough um, the next night to wheel me down to see my son And they wheeled me down, and I had no idea what I was going to see. And I saw my son in an incubator, and it was just a body. It was just a little frog-like body. They showed me a piece of paper next to his body, and he was smaller than a piece of paper. Um, And his entire face was covered with goggles and um, a kind of like a ventilator, but it wasn't as strong. Um, his eyes were covered because of jaundice and I had no idea what to make of it. No idea. I, I was so thankful to see him, cried my eyes out. But at that point, I was like, I don't know anybody that ever had a child in the NICU. And anybody that's listening, it is just, it's something I don't wish on my worst enemy because you just... I had no idea what was in store for me and what type of strength this was going to take. And I was ready. I was ready. And I was in for the long haul and I was fine with it, but you just have no idea what's ahead of you. And I'll never forget. We got back to the room and Chris said to me, I have a picture of him. And I was like, okay. And he said, but with all his stuff off, I was like, what do you mean? he's like, no, they have to change him every four hours. And I was there earlier today when they changed him and they let me take a picture of his face. Do you want to see it? And I was like, yeah. And he showed me the picture. And I never said this to anyone because I was too mortified. I was too embarrassed. I felt too ashamed to say this, but now that we're on the brighter side and my son is the healthiest thing ever. I can say it. Um, he showed me the picture and my heart just dropped. And I remember instantly I prepared myself and said, you will probably be dealing with a disabled child for the rest of your life. And you need to be ready for it. you need to love him the same. And you need to be ready to handle this because this poor boy is gonna need you more than anybody on this earth. And cause he didn't look like anything. And I I say that in complete honesty. I love my son to no end, but his eyes weren't even eyes. They were slits on his face. His nose wasn't a nose. There was like holes in his face, but no nose. Um, And he just, there was no meat on his bones. He was literally a skeleton with skin. And I just remember thinking, wow, this was not what I expected. And I wasn't disappointed. You know, I wasn't. I, was, I wasn't ashamed, I was just like, this is not what I expected, and I better get ready because this is going to be a lot different than I thought, and boy was it. Because I had no idea what having a child in the NICU was like, and I think I said this earlier, but I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, um, because looking back on the experience, spending 14 days in the hospital to have Cameron was nowhere near the worst part. The worst part was most definitely, um, the first month of Cameron being in the NICU because it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. Uh, it almost buried mine and Chris's relationship. Um, and of course it made us stronger in the end, but I don't know how we got through that I look back on it sometimes and don't know how on earth we got through that um the first month they well the entire stay they basically call you every day like it's daycare they would call us uh, anytime between nine and noon and you're just supposed to be available they only call you once the doctor calls you has done a overview and a checkup um of your son overnight and that morning to let you know if there's been any changes, if there's been any growth, has their weight changed, what's going on and what their updates are. And um, I guess I just assumed that within a couple days, somebody would be able to tell me what was going on. And I was so far off because weeks into Cameron being in there, of course, if you're a mom, you know, when babies are born, they typically lose weight within the couple first couple weeks or first couple days. And then they gain weight. And Cameron was continuously losing weight. I think he got down um, to about a pound, 11 ounces. So for a week and a half, he was losing weight and we were freaking out. Um, and they couldn't tell us anything. Every time I talked to a doctor, they would say, here's his weight. Uh, Here's what he did. This is how many times he he used the bathroom. We checked on him all these times. uh, Did this, this, and this. And uh, do you have any questions? And it was just so cold, cut, and dry. And almost every call I would say, so, you know, health-wise, and they would say, ma'am, only time can tell. We don't have any answers for you. So even with faith, We had weeks where no one could tell us if our son was going to make it. And so not having a timeline, not knowing what was going on. And I know people are listening to this and going, oh my God, I would have lived and breathed and slept and been in that NICU all the time. But the first night I ever went down to the NICU by myself, um, a nurse approached me and said, I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, but if I have any piece of advice for you, if I was a NICU mom, I would not stay here often. And I was like, what? Because I already had it made up in my mind that was going to be my new home because you, your son gets a whole room, so you can you could uh, take showers there, you could sleep there, there's a pull-out couch, I mean, you can make it work. And I said, why? And she said, it's going to drive you crazy there's babies in these halls that are dying she was like there's constant beeping going on all night we're in and out of here every 30 minutes you will not sleep she said I understand wanting to be by your baby but you can call us 24 7 maybe stay once or twice a week but get your rest mom it's not worth it and I was like okay so we would go home educate ourselves um, and just try to stay strong. And then within a week, um, we both went back to work. And everybody was like, how are you back at work? And it was probably one of the hardest things I ever did. But within a couple of days, I, I really desired to be at work because I could not sit at home twiddling my thumbs, reading more material, Googling more stories about premature babies, Or doing any more research because I was finding things that were crushing my soul. I mean, I found somewhere in a book that based on the time that he was born, gestationally, that he only had a 75% chance of survival. I couldn't do it anymore. So I just went to work. So I would go to work every day, leave work, go straight to the NICU, stay probably from like 4.30 to 8 or 9.00 get food on the way and come home and Chris would typically meet me there and stay a little bit longer so that we could feed him I also didn't mention this um they would not let me touch him for 12 days so we could stick our finger in the incubator and like rub his um arms but I was not allowed to hold him for 12 days so I did not touch my son put him on my chest for 12 days um I don't know what I was missing because I don't, I've never had any other children, but I know most moms get to hold their baby, uh, when they come out. And I just, I did not get to have that experience. So I was longing for it. But when I put my son on my chest, uh, I was frightened because he was so fragile and there was, um, five or six cords that had to be held up by a machine just for me to hold him because he would not be able to breathe and lay on my chest at the same time without them so I went there every afternoon to hold him after work and it wasn't until about a month that things started to look up a little bit he gained some weight he got to about Um, The end, the backside of two pounds, probably two pounds, 14 ounces, 15 ounces. Um, The jaundice was gone. It was a it was starting to become a slow grind. And so things were starting to look up a little bit. And we were kind of getting excited, like, okay, is, you know, is do are we going to have a healthy son? And they couldn't tell us. But I mean, he was even having we were getting phone calls at night to let us know that he was having episodes where his heart would stop. And so we just really had no idea. We were just like sitting ducks. So about a month and a half later uh, in September, not even, it must have been like three weeks after Chris uh, had already paid to go to a conference over the weekend, a three-day conference. And I was like, no, go ahead and go. Nothing's going to change. And lo and behold, um, he leaves and I get really really sick that night Um, I can tell I'm super sick I have a fever Uh, I can't walk I can't get out of bed and so I call my doctor I tell her I have a fever and she's like "Mm, I'm worried about you I want you to come to the hospital and I went to the hospital and I ended up having mastitis which is an infection from pumping that you can only get from pumping and It was the craziest thing I had ever experienced. My breast was like a brick and they couldn't move it or anything. And uh, they put me on some meds and admitted me. And I ended up staying there for four and a half days because it had become, the infection had become septic. They could not get my fever down. So it took them three days to break my fever. Um, So now I'm in the same hospital with my son, three floors up. So at least I can go visit him. And this was all in the middle of like an intense hurricane that came to Tampa. So three weeks later, after my NICU son is born, my preemie son, we I'm spending four days in the hospital without his dad, with mastitis, with a uh, septic infection. It was just crazy, <laughs> but at least we were at least we were near each other. So I get released. I heal a couple days, then I go back to work again, and Cameron ends up, um, I get an emergency call that he has to have a blood transfusion, and so during all this time, there were still a few things pending that they would never talk to me about often. A few things that were factual was that he definitely had a hole in his heart, that he had, when he was born, he had a level one brain bleed, and, um, He had several hernias, several holes that they thought he would grow out of in his body. And so right after I was released from the hospital for the second time, they called me to let me know that I had to give them a yes or no answer instantly, that he had an infection and his body was not fighting it because he didn't have enough um, blood and he needed a blood transfusion. So I said yes and hung up the phone crying because I didn't even know whether or not I had made the right decision. And thank God I did because the doctor afterwards told me that, you know, typically had it not gone well afterwards, that would have been a very, a very clear sign of what the rest of his, um, stay was going to look like. And it seemed like after the blood transfusion, everything was uphill from there. He, um, the infection went away. He got better. He started growing. Um, and probably about two months in, they told us, you know, in about, in about four to six weeks, he could be out of here. And so his Cameron's actual due date, he was supposed to be born November 13th. And so we watched him grow up in that incubator. And they took, it was milestones for our baby were them taking tubes off of him, you know, taking the ventilator off of him taking the goggles off his face so that we could see his eyes, taking the, um, the um, tubes in his nose out, you know, taking out the feeding tube once or twice a day to actually try to feed him a real bottle. Those were our milestones. Um, taking the tube out of his stomach and putting it directly in his mouth were milestones. Um, taking the blood pressure cuff off or taking the monitor off to let him get a little break those were milestones. So by the end of all of this, um, and Cameron did have to have surgery in the end to close the hernias, but he spent a total of 82 days in the neonatal NICU before he was allowed to come home to us. And he came home to us four days before his due date. So he came home November 9th and by God, I'll never forget the day because a week before that, he would barely take a bottle. And my doctor told me it's going to be a while because he needs to take three or four bottles a day before we're willing to let him go home. And I thought, oh, my God, my my son's going to be in here till Christmas. He's going to spend the first five months of his life in this hospital. And um, literally, like four days later, my doctor called me at work one day and said, you know how how's work and i was like it's good and she said well i need you to do me a favor tonight and i said okay and she said i need you and chris to go have a nice dinner get some good rest and bring the car seat in tomorrow cuz i think cameron's ready to go home and i'm crying just thinking about it i cried my eyes out because this was our son that we had no idea for probably six weeks whether he was even going to survive and now he was coming home you know sometimes I looked at his clothes in his room and just was like what am I thinking and he came home and just to give you a, a comparison he spent three months in the NICU to come home weighing less than a normal the average child is born. I think when he came home, he was like six pounds, four ounces, which is, they can go home after four 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 pound four and a half pounds, as long as they're healthy and eating. But, um, he had some other issues. So he came home six pounds, four ounces, and we brought our son home and they warned me about so many things. So many things y'all like, you know, we don't see his brain bleed anymore, but he still has a hole in his heart. You, need, you will be seeing a cardiologist. We're very uncertain about his eyes. Most, most children this premature have um, vision issues. You're going to need to see an eye doctor. And I mean, the week we left the hospital, I probably went to four doctor's appointments between the cardiologist and the eye doctor and his regular doctor um, just to continue checkups. And within six weeks of leaving, he was fine. The eye doctor said he's completely fine. He can see very well he's fine. Um, putting They were putting almost pliers in my baby's eyes. And then um, this, the one that took the longest was this recent June. He had his year checkup with the cardiologist. Because the sixth month when I went there, they said they could still hear the hole. And then if by age two it wasn't closed, they would be surgically closing it. And when I went uh, this July, I think, they said, never mind. It's gone. We don't hear it anymore. We don't see it anymore. He grew out of it. And so I guess hopefully this story helps you understand that today is extremely special to me and my family because my son I don't care what anybody says. My son is a flipping miracle. He's a miracle baby. His prayer warriors and everybody that prayed for me and prayed for him and prayed for this family. It worked. It worked. And I didn't even mention this part. My son that came three months early was born on the day of the solar eclipse last year, which is a once in a decade type thing. He literally was born like hours before the solar eclipse so I know he's destined to do something insanely great and just looking at him now and knowing how healthy he is and how wild he is and how happy he is everyone says my kid is the happiest kid on earth um I just can't believe how good God is and I share this story with you because I know that if I was blessed to experience this and watch my son be so damn resilient that it wouldn't make any sense for me not to reach back and um, be there for other moms that are going through anything similar. I can't imagine. Sometimes I wonder how the hell we got through it, but we did. And we got a healthy, beautiful, amazing, miracle boy out of it. And I'm forever grateful because my son taught me some of the greatest lessons of all. And he made me flipping fearless this year because watching his resilience just made me think you really think you're doing something. um, But you're not. (laughs) You need to go live this life for everything it has to offer and take everything you want. Because now you're going to have somebody looking up at you that is a super he's my superhero so I gotta keep up with him he's gonna look up at me one day and I'm gonna be his superwoman but right now that boy is a freaking superhero to me so this episode is dedicated to my one-year-old son Cameron Carter Bruce we made it baby we made it I love you